discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boati as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I want us to share a prayer and then we'll start. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who is here with us this morning, this glorious Sunday morning to instruct us, to teach us, to help us grow in your knowledge. Thank you for wisdom, for great understanding, to understand your word. Thank you that our lives are increased on one level of glory to another altogether this morning. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. wow. Is it not a blessing? It's a blessing. We've been sharing on so many beautiful things, isn't it? Yeah. We've been sharing concerning marriage, the actual reason for the second coming of Christ. Yes. This is the actual reason for his second coming. And we've shared so many things already. We started sharing concerning the stages of the Jewish marriage because uh, the Bible says that thy maker is thy husband, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And who is our maker? Our maker is our Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our Lord is our husband. Yeah. We are male brides and female brides. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is the reason why we are existing as, as human beings. And you become a child of God for that purpose. And we've said so many things um, along the lines of what happens in a typical Jewish or probably uh, most um, most specifically a Galilean marriage. You know, the Galileans were slightly different from the the Jews. The Galileans were were a mixture. There were a little, there were a few Gentiles in there, you know. But it wasn't like Samaria. The Samaritans were different from the Galileans and also different from the Jews, even though they were all fundamentally Jews. So, you know, the Galilean marriage had a lot of these. It's very similar to the Jewish marriage, but the Galilean one is very similar to what we are seeing now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, we've mentioned uh, so many stages, isn't it? Yeah. What was stage one? Do you remember? The groom, the groom-to-be leaves his father's house and goes in search of the bride, isn't it? Yeah. And the next thing he does when he finds a bride is that he goes to the bride's house and goes to make, goes to pay the the bridal price, isn't it? Yeah. And then makes a covenant with her. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then after that, he gives her a ring, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And we've mentioned all what all these things mean. And as he's giving her the ring, he promises his return. Yeah. And uh, makes her know he doesn't know when he's going to come back. Only the father does. And then he goes away. After he goes away, he sends a gift called the Matan, which is the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ring is the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Hallelujah. At, Hallelujah. at our new birth. And then 
we mentioned the next thing that uh, so that is the kidashin, isn't it? Yeah. The second one is a, from the second one is the kidashin. Then you come to the time of waiting, isn't it? The time of separation. There are things I expect of the bride. The bride is supposed to win her affection from the world, from her father's house to the house of her husband. Yeah, and uh, it signifies us winning our affection from this world to our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the next thing is that the bride is expected to sew her wedding dress, isn't it? Her wedding gown. She's given the opportunity to sew her wedding gown. And when the wedding gown is ready, she's, you know, taken away. That's the next thing. Which is the Niswain, isn't it? The actual wedding day. So on the actual wedding day, she's snatched away. She is, uh, uh, she's stolen from her own father's house. Yeah. And that is a sign of the, of the, of the rapture. So we've been discussing the rapture all this while and the various aspects of it, what it means, um, who will be raptured and all of that. Like I was saying the last time, it's a mystery. It was hidden. In the Old Testament, none of the Old Testament prophets knew it. So you can't find rapture in the, in the Old Testament. It, it's even difficult to find the church in the Old Testament because the church is actually not mentioned. You know, Daniel had a, a, a vision of, of 70 weeks that were determined. I'm going, I'm going to talk about it today. You know, and the church is not mentioned. It's about Israel. It's all about Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the church is a mystery. It's a mystery. There are two great mysteries in the Bible. The first one is in First Timothy chapter 3, verse uh, 16. It says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And then he goes on and on. And, that, and without controversy, uh, Timothy 3, 16, he says, without controversy, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. This is the mystery the great mystery of godliness. He says God was manifest in the flesh. God manifest in the flesh is Jesus Christ. And he was justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, reached unto the, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Then there's another great mystery. That other great mystery is found in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31. For this question, the man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall, they too shall be one flesh. Then he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the two great mysteries are Christ and the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's Christ. The first one is Christ. God manifests in the flesh, which is Christ. And the second one is Christ manifests in the church, which is the church. Wow. Wow. So the church is a very special um, body, if you like. You know, the church is very, very special to God. He doesn't joke with it. So he is not even spoken about in the Old Testament. It was a mystery that was hidden. Great mystery. That's what Paul said. Um, um, I Behold, I show you a mystery. First Corinthians fifteen fifty two. Behold, I show you a mystery. We're going to talk about the rapture and he called it a mystery. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, that's verse 51. Go to verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the, the, the rapture is completely different from the other one, which is the public second coming of Christ, like I've mentioned in the past weeks. 
you know. So for the rapture, there's no sign. There are no signs mentioned of the rapture. I don't know if you get it. There are no signs that are mentioned that, oh, this will happen and this will happen. Then you see the rapture happening. There are no signs. All the signs that are mentioned in respect to the second coming of Christ has to do with his public coming. Yes. But the rapture is a mystery. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't have any signs. It just happens in the moment. In the twinkle and I pop, then we are gone. There are no signs as to whether if you see this and if you see that or if you see that, then it means that the rapture is nine. No, there's nothing like that. I hope you get it. Yeah. But then there are signs that show of the second coming of Christ. You know, sometimes it is put together because um, the second coming, the, sec- the second public coming of Christ is very close to the first private coming, private second coming of Christ. In other words, the rapture is very close to the second coming of Christ. That's why it is normally put together. Uh-huh. But it is not, they are not the same. So all the signs you see in Matthew 24 has to do with the second public coming of Christ. And all that you see in Luke chapter 17. I admonish you to read all those scriptures. If I start reading them, I will not finish. Luke chapter 17 also speaks concerning the public coming of Christ. And it has a lot to do with the Jews. Okay? It has a lot to do with the Jews, not to the, with the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as soon as we are raptured, as soon as you are taken away, we are taken to the Bema seat judgment of Christ for the purpose of our rewards. I think I mentioned that the last time. So in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 10, you see many scriptures says, For we must all appear before Christ, before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. You see, it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word um, cease there is bima. Okay? Bima. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it means a foot space. Okay? A foot space. Just one person can stand there. And just one person can, can be allowed to speak, to speak to the Lord. The Lord will talk to you and find out what you did for him. What did you do for me? Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Romans 14, 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So every child of God, every member of the church, shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that day. And it's for the purpose of giving you your rewards. Do you see? Huh. And amazingly, your rewards are linked to how your dress looks like. Because actually your works, you remember, yeah, the needlework is your works. Isn't it? Romans chapter 14, verse 13 says, look at Romans 14, 13. Sorry, Revelations 14, 13. Revelations 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Ye, say the spirit, that they may rest on their labors. And their works do follow them. So only your works will follow you. Outside, out of this world, your cars will not follow you. Your houses will not follow you. Your wife will not follow you. Your children will not follow you. All those things will not follow you. It's only your works, what you did for the Lord, that will follow you. You see, so... As soon as we are taken, our wedding garments are checked. And our wedding garments are actually our works, which is actually the judgment seat of Christ for our reward. So your rewards are given to you. 
Please, you understand? Uh -huh. So, in First Corinthians 15, from verse 15, we see some of the things that will happen, you know, mentioned, how the resurrection will be like. Remember, on that day when he appears, we'll appear with him and we'll get our bodies. Your body is a reflection of what you did for the Lord. And that is your permanent abode. So what, so the rapture, that's why I said the last time, that the rapture is, not, is a list of the things you should bother about. You shouldn't worry about the rapture. You should worry about how you look permanently for eternity. So depending on what you do with your life, how you live your life, okay, it will show on that day. Nothing and no, nobody can be hidden from the Lord on that day. I mean, everybody's work will show. Okay, everybody's work will show. So you have to be smart. If you notice, it's like the rapture is everybody. Because, you see, look at Colossians chapter 1, verse um, 12 to verse 13. Colossians 1, 12 to 13. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Have you seen it? Yeah. Go back to 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet. The word meet, meet is qualified. So I'm sure the Amplified will say, look at the Amplified. Giving thanks unto to the Father, who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion, which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. Who qualified us? Qualified us for what? To share the portion, which is the inheritance of the saints. So there's an inheritance in the saints. Do you understand? There's an inheritance for the saints. And God is the one who qualifies everybody who is born again for that. And that inheritance is your glorious body. So in First Peter chapter 1, from verse 3. Look at First Peter 1 from verse 3. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. You see, he's talking about inheritance. It says to an inheritance. Incorruptible. You see, an inheritance what? Incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow. What inheritance is that? It is your, 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 your body, the new, the resurrected body with all the other things that it comes with. Did you get it? Yes. And the Lord has qualified all of us to have that. Everybody will have that. But there are differences in how your body will look like on that day, depending on how you live your life here on earth. So if you're a Christian and you are into foolish things, you are just into, because probably you're getting some of this knowledge and you're realizing that, oh, no matter what I do, I'll be, I'll be taken. It's true, no matter what you, be, you do, you'll be taken. But there's something more damaging. Hmm. Or should I say damaging? Something that is more revealing of what you, how you lived your life here on earth. It is your body, how your body will look like. Your resurrected body will look like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to show you. First Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 15. I don't know if you like my message. So you see, it's a very loud studio, I tell you. <laughs> it says, Yeah, and we have found false witnesses of God. First Corinthians 15, 15. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. Next verse. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Then it says, ye are yet in your sins. Next verse. 
then they also which are falling asleep or dead in Christ are perished. If there's no resurrection of the dead. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most measurable. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Christ is actually risen from the dead. And become the first fruit of them that slept. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the dead. It is certain. It is sure. Christ is risen from the, from the dead. Then verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam what? All, all die. die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Then it says, but every man in his own order. Christ is actually supposed to be Christ, comma, the first fruits. Then afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Have you seen it? So every man in his own order. So there are different orders of the resurrection. Some has happened already, actually. We were discussing it the last time. Christ was the first. Okay? So there's actually a comma between Christ and the first fruit in this particular scripture in verse 23. But every man in his own order, Christ, comma. So if you don't really like, if you don't see like that, you will think that what happened in Matthew 27, verse 50, was actually not a resurrection of the dead. But it was. So Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, the Bible says that Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quick, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies, have you seen it? Yeah. And many bodies of the saints which slept, or which were, which were dead before Christ, arose. So all those who were before Christ, and were saints, rose from the dead with him. But Christ was the first to come out of the dead. And then the rest, Christ was the first to be resurrected. To receive a resurrected body. And then the rest also received their resurrected bodies. Then he says, and they came out of the graves after his resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the order. Christ is first. Then there's a first fruits. That is all the other saints who were before Christ. Then us. So go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where we're reading. Verse 23, I think. It says, but every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. That is us. Have you seen it? Okay. There's even, there's even another group after us. There's another group after us. That's the, the tribulation saints. So all the professing Christians who are left and go through all the things that you, you can think about during the tribulation and are killed and all of that. Come and join us in heaven. Okay. Probably. I was going to mention that as a last thing, but let me just mention it now, now that I'm talking about it. So there's something called the first resurrection. Revelation chapter 20, from verse 4 to verse 5. Revelation 20, 4 to 5. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. That is one group. Okay? That is one group. It says, I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Have you seen that there's a colon? Uh So that is one group. That it says, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is another group. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. Verse 5. 
But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. Then it says, this is the first resurrection. So the first resurrection includes Christ, the first fruits, us, that is the church, and the tribulation saints. Please you understand? Uh-huh. So we are all, those of us in the church now, and those who will be in the tribulation, who be the tribulation saints, are all uh, uh, going to rule and reign with Christ on that day. If you don't read it well, you think it's just those who are beheaded with, uh, for Christ and all of that. You wonder, hey, where's our, what, it means I have to be beheaded for Christ. No. Read it, read it well. Go, go back to verse 4. Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. That's one group. And I saw the souls. So they are called souls. The souls of them. Because of how they were put, they were, they were kept in heaven. So if you read in Revelation chapter 6, Look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. Revelation 6, 9 to 11. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They are described as souls. They are not described as spirits. Spirits, they are described as souls. And for the te- it says, uh, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Next verse. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Next verse. And white robes were given unto them. They are not given a resurrected body at that time. They are given robes, white robes. And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Unto their fellow servants all... Read it, read it well. Go, go back to verse 4. Revelation 20 verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. That's one group. And I saw the souls, so they are called souls, the souls of them, because of how they were put, they were, they were kept in heaven. So if you read in Revelation chapter 6, look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. Revelation 6, 9 to 11. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. They are described as souls. They are not described as spirits. Spirits, they are described as souls. And for the, te- it says, uh, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Next verse. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Next verse. And white robes were given unto them. They are not given a resurrected body at that time. They are given robes, white robes. And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. Unto their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Uh-huh. So on that day when Christ, the, just before the, the um, white room judgment, they are given their resurrected bodies. Please you understand? Yeah. Uh-huh. But before then, they are given white robes and told to stay for some time. These are the tribulation saints. I'll talk about them in some few minutes to come. Okay? I'll talk about them some more. I'll show you some more scriptures. Show Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if I'm helping your understanding. Yeah. So on that day, there's, there's the order. I showed you Christ, then the first fruits, that's those who went with them on that day. Then, those of us who are here, and all those who died after Christ, in Christ. <laughs> you get it? All those who died in, after Christ, in Christ. 
or come with him, and then those of us who are alive and remain will be changed. And we shall join him in the air, and we shall be taken to his throne, the throne of God, to his father's house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, how your body looks like is dependent on how you live your life today. Uh, if you've read your Bible very carefully, the Bible says that flee fornication. It says every sin that you commit is without the body. You another time. Let me not talk about that. Okay, go back to First Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 29. We end up verse 23. I just want to jump to verse 29. There are so many things about for the sake of time. So Paul says, else what shall they do? Remember, he's talking about resurrection, right? Yeah. He says, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? What does this mean? He's not talking about um, someone baptizing somebody who is dead. That's not what he's talking about. This is the baptism of sufferings that Jesus spoke about. One day Jesus was sitting down and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said that, Lord, I want one of my children to sit on your right hand and the other to sit on your left hand in your kingdom. Then Jesus said, hey, sister, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. To sit on my left or my right, it's not, I'm, I'm not the one who will determine. It's my father in heaven who will determine. But are they even able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? What cup and what baptism was that? It was the cup of sufferings and the baptism of sufferings. It's called the cup of baptism of sufferings unto death. It's not a small thing. Matthew 20, verse 22. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall, be, I shall drink of and to baptize with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. They were very confident. We are able. We'll do it. And Jesus said that truly. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared for my, of my father. Can you imagine the first of the disciples to die was James, the brother of John. So he, he, he got the first, first seat by Jesus. Because after Jesus had died, he was the next person who died, who was killed. The Bible says, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. He just took him and killed him. He was the first to die. And the last to die was, was John. He died in AD 95. After being boiled in oil and all of that, he was boiled in oil, he was stabbed, he was beheaded. Still, he was not dying. He could not die by any means. So they just had to leave him in an island called Patmos. And he had to be there. Yeah, with criminals, with the worst of criminals. It was, it was like the, the Alcatraz of that time. Yeah, or uh, Guantanamo Bay of that time. And he was there for many years before he died. And before he died, a lot, almost all the, the prisoners got born again. They all changed. Wow. So, Paul is saying that if there's no resurrection of the dead, then are we, are we fools? Why are we, why are we allowing ourselves to die last, just like that? First Corinthians 15, 29 says, Else what shall they do? Which are baptized for the dead? Those who go through this kind of baptism, who die for the Lord. You know, because during his time, people were being beheaded. People, all kinds of things were happening because they believed in the Lord. Says, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Then he says, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? We stand in jeopardy every hour. Every hour, there's no peace. Every hour, there's something happening. Uh, the, Roman, the Roman soldiers are coming. 
These people, the Jews are looking for you to kill you. This one, so many things, Sanhedrin, all kinds of things. This, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I am protest by a rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Next verse. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. The dead rise and you will get a kind of body depending on what you do for the Lord. He says, I fought beasts at Ephesus. Paul never fought any physical beasts. He didn't fight a lion, he didn't fight a bear, he didn't fight an elephant, he didn't fight a whale. He didn't fight any of those things in Ephesus. But in Ephesus, he had great challenge. Serious, Serious challenges. Yeah, serious challenges. There's so many. You can read in Acts chapter uh, um, uh, 17, 18, 19. 19 onwards. Yeah, you see it. That was in the city of Ephesus. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Yeah, there was so much, so much resistance. Do you see? It is in Ephesus. He said that a great door in the future is open unto me. But there are many, yeah. many adversaries. Many. So he had so much pressure on him, preventing him from preaching the gospel. But he pushed. He did everything he could to make sure the gospel moved. And he had all the helpers he needed. And they were all with him. You know, sometimes when we talk about some of these things, working for the Lord and all that, some people think that, oh, I am not the one preaching. We are more than one here. I'm not the one, only one in this particular studio. There are so many. I can count at least uh, 10 people here with me. Doing various things. Holding various parts. Helping for us to be able to bring the, 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 the live stream to you. They may not be winning any soul. Naturally speaking, right now. But whatever soul is won through this particular broadcast is, is to their credit. Wow. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have people, they are helpers in the ministry. The Bible talks about Mary. Paul, Paul said that Mary bestowed much labor on us. Romans chapter 16, verse 6. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Let's, let's read the Amplified. Greet Mary, who has worked so hard among you. Other versions. I don't know if you have, you have other versions. Hello to Mary. What a worker she has turned out to be. You see, Paul said she bestowed much labor on us. Meaning that she was working with Paul. Doing many things to make sure he is fine to be able to preach and do the things he was doing. Please, you understand? Yeah. You think she will not receive her, her, her reward? He says, give my greetings to Mary who has worked so hard for your benefit. Wow. He talks about the house of Stephanas. He says, for they have addicted themselves unto the ministry of the saints. It's the same book, same chapter. You see it, House of Stephan. He says, they have addicted themselves unto the ministry of the saints. Meaning that they were ministering to the saints in various ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when I'm talking like this, don't think that, oh, maybe I'm not part. Because I never want a soul directly. Even if you give money for the gospel to go, you will get your reward. Wow. Whatever soul is won, it is to your credit. Please join us what I'm saying. Uh-huh. So don't, don't. There are people who help me. People who iron my clothes. You know, and help me so that I can, the time I used to, I was spending uh, reading the Bible, is not reduced in any way. Because if I'm going to stand and iron my dress, it's time. It's more time, isn't it? So that I can do some other things. There are a lot of people who help me. I have many helpers who don't preach. It's not the preaching that is the only thing. The preaching is powerful. The teaching is powerful. Winning someone's soul on the street is powerful. But the other things are also very important. Yeah. And everybody gets their reward. So never think that, 
oh, me, I'm not on the forefront. I'm not the one doing this and I'm not the one doing that. So you are thinking plenty. Don't think plenty. Okay. Help the way. So they are called helpers. These are, it's called the ministry of helps. It's a ministry that God gives. First eh? Corinthians 16, 15. I beseech you, brethren, you, you know the house of Stephanas, that it is the first house of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Means that they were serving the saints continuously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So whatever it is that God has given to you to do, do it with all of your heart. You will receive a reward for what you are doing. Do you understand? Yeah. We don't all occupy the same place. No, we don't. Even ministries don't occupy the same place before God. There are ministries that are called to handle a certain number of people. Yeah, there are ministries that are called to handle just 300 people. And all those 300 people are going to be accounted for in a certain way. There are ministries that are called to handle 1 million people. The difference is not in the 1 million or the 300. The difference is in how well you do what God told you to do. And doing what God told you to do. It's, it's faithfulness. It says, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not well done, that good and hard working, you did so many things. No. It's faithfulness to what God has called you to do. Finding out what God told you to do and doing it. That is what God will reward you for. Please, you understand? Yeah. You, you are singing. Find out. It's my job to sing and to do this continuously for the rest of my life. God says, yes, perfect it. Go as far as you can. Do you get it? Yeah. Make sure so many lives are changed because of your ministry. As simple as ABC. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So don't get it twisted, okay? Yeah. So go back to First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. That was just by the way. Yeah, well, just by the way, I have, I've had people coming in, calling me and telling me why I've, I've been doing this. That I, do I have to be going out every time? Because what you, where you occupy may not allow you to go out every time to win. So in a certain way, you must make an effort. But then if it doesn't allow you, why, what should you do? Do what you be faithful. It's what God says you should do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul says, oh, else what shall, it, what, what shall they do which are baptized of the dead? Verse 29. Then it says, verse 13 now, it says, And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is that it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then let's just forget about everything. Let's just enjoy. Let's just live our lives. Let's just chale fool around and do whatever we do. Because tomorrow we'll just die and that will be the end. Because some people believe in annihilation. When you die, it's finished. You go into the sky like uh, like a smoke. Some people believe that you come back as an insect or as another type of something. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Next verse, verse thirty-three. Then it says, "Be not deceived. Hmm? Don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners." Because people were talking to the Corinthian church. Some people were talking to the Corinthian. Oh, there's nothing like that. there's no resurrection of the dead. Oh, fuck! You can live as you want to do. It says, "Be not deceived. Evil communications." Called good manners. What I'm telling you is real. It will happen. Next verse, verse 34. I went to righteousness and sin not. You see, they, they were born again, no? Yet they were fooling around. Because they felt that, Charlie, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. He says, Listen, I went to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Some of them still do not have the knowledge of God. He says, I speak to your shame. Do you see? Yeah. I went to righteous. So this morning I'm telling you wherever you are. I went to, maybe you're a Christian, you are born again, you know you're a child of God, but you've not been living for the Lord. You know yourself. 
You are in that group. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. There's nothing like that, brother. There's something after death. Death is not the end. Death or rapture is not the end. It's not the end. There's something more. We are being prepped up for something more. And this life is for preparing yourself. Preparing your, your, your body for that day. How your body will look like. You know, sometimes I, when I'm preaching around, along this line, I, I, I make an example. How many of you would have preferred to have lived in a country that had everything? Like, like America, or Canada, or Switzerland, or uh, Germany, China. Maybe they also want to live in other places. Yeah. If you are in black Africa, and the sun is burning you, and you finish school, and you, can't, you don't even know what you are going to do with your life. Do you see? Huh. You realize that you, you think about it. You feel like escaping from this place to, to another land. Even if it's through swimming, isn't it? You swim through the ocean. We didn't have any option as to where we'll be born in this world. We didn't have any option. You woke up to wherever you are right now. You woke up, you were born to the branch you were born to, not because of your own choosing. You were given to them. Yeah. But God is, and maybe the conditions there in that room are not so good. God is giving you an opportunity now in this life to determine how your, the rest of your, this is eternity. This one is not eternity. This one, by 100, 120, you are dead. Even here. Do you see? By some few years, you are gone. But he's, he's giving you an opportunity to be able to have a place where you can be for the rest of your life. In a position, in a way that you would prefer and that you'd be happy about. Can you imagine? What is better than this? Your, your body depends on you. So let me, let me show you some more. Yes. We're in verse 34, right? Yes. Verse 35. Go to verse 35. He says, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Then he says, thou fool. That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. He says, uh, you may sow a wheat or a grain or a corn or whatever. But whatever you sow is not what comes out. If you sow one corn of wheat or one, one corn of maize, is it that one corn that you get, that you get coming out of that? Oh. Whatever you sow, you are going to have plenty of it. More of it. Even beautiful because you put raw corn in the ground. But when it comes, it doesn't come out of raw corn. It comes out as a shoot. Very nice, green, green something. And then it grows. You have some flowers coming and all of that. Then you have fruits coming on top of it. Isn't it? There's something different. What you put in the ground is not the same as what comes out, actually. Is it true? That's what he's talking about. Look at the next verse. He says, but God gave it the body as it pleased him. And to every seed, his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. Do you agree? Yeah. Since there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, there are bodies that are heavenly, celestial is heavenly, and there are bodies that are earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. If you see an angel here right now, you see that there's a clear difference between you and him. Then it says, there's one glory of the sun. 
This is where the problem is. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star different from another star in glory. They are not the same. The stars, even if you look into the skies, you see it. There are some stars that are shiny. There are some that are not so shiny. The sun is shine. The sun produces own heat. The moon reflects the, the 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 light of the sun, isn't it? They are stars that produce their own their own light, but at different intensities. He says, "Go back, go to verse forty-one. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory." Next verse. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Have you seen it? Yeah. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Just as you have a different glory for the sun and a different glory for the moon and a different glory for the stars, so also is the resurrection. So even though we all have a resurrected body, there will be differences in glory. Some will shine as stars. Some will shine as a sun. Some will shine as the moon. Some will shine as a stone. <laughs> so depending on how you live your life Paul says that listen if there is no resurrection then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die what is the meaning of all this why am I suffering for the Lord why am I dying daily why am I fighting beasts at every source pushing and making sure the gospel comes to you why am I doing all the things that I am doing if there is no resurrection of the dead brother there is and even the resurrection of the dead there are different glories so in Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 look at Daniel 12 2 And many of them that speak in the dust of their shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. And they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. So some people will shine as a brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Those who turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. So your resurrected body will be a compendium of your earthly biography. All the things you did on earth will be contained in your body. All wow. what you did for the Lord will be contained in your resurrected body. So when we see you, we will know that this is how your glory, this glory that you have is because of A, B, C, D. And that's how you'll be forever. So you have to be smart in this earth in which you are. Live for the Lord. Love the Lord. Okay? It starts from loving God. Remember, there are two aspects. Loving God says we are to wait for Him and we are to serve Him. You love Him with all of your heart. So it's not just working. There are people who are into just working, going up and down here, doing this, doing that, winning this, so doing. It's not just about that. Okay? The reason why God did not tell us much about heaven is because He doesn't want you to just like the things that are in heaven. Because heaven, heaven is really nice. Heaven is very, very nice. It has so many things. But if He, if he had told us about it, we would have loved the place more than the one who created the place. He wants you to love Him, not the place, not the things in the place. That's why he doesn't talk much about, about heaven. But he talks a lot about himself. A lot about Jesus. So that you will love him. So you have two responsibilities as a child of God. Love the Lord. Learn to love the Lord. Learn to wake up in the morning and tell God how much you have missed him. You know, there was one guy who always did that every morning. Whenever he's getting out of the house. He, said he was a worker. Whenever he's getting out of the house, he take his bag. After dressing, take his bag and say, ah, Jesus, come, come, come. Come, come and let me kiss you. Just imaginary things, you know. Come, come, come. I've missed you so much. I love you. Mwah. Then he'll kiss Jesus and go. He was doing it every morning. One day he forgot. Took his bag. He was so much in a hurry. Took his bag. And then he moved out of the house. Just when he opened his front door, Jesus was standing there physically. Wow. And he said, oh, haven't you forgotten something? <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, oh, haven't you forgotten something? He said, oh, I'm supposed to have kissed you. Of course, he was, he was awestruck. He couldn't talk. 
couldn't talk much. You see, so the little little things. Take time off your busy schedule and talk to Jesus. Let him know how much you love him and how much you pre- you prefer him above all things. You prefer him above your wife, above your children, above your work, above your cars, above your win your affection from this world onto it. It makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. It will determine how you will look like. Yeah. Do you know why John was the last person who died? Because according to John, he loved Jesus more than all of them. Yeah. According to him, he, liked, he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah. Everybody could have called himself like that, but he said, I'm the one Jesus really loved. Even when they needed to ask Jesus who would betray him, they told him, eh, ask, ask for us. Because his head was on his bosom. He loved him. He was the youngest of them all. He didn't have much to think about. You see. So, don't let this life cloud your judgment. Don't just be working for Babylon. Building Babylon up. If we have time, I'll talk about the times of the Gentiles. Okay, I'm, I, I'm trying to put everything in proper place for you. So, I'll, I'll see how it goes. I'll talk about the times of the Gentiles and probably about the church. The seven churches. In a certain way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But do your best. To live for the Lord. To love the Lord. To serve the Lord. To love him. You love him, you serve him. You serve him, you love him. You love him, you serve him. Like that. Not just serving. There are people who want to serve. When they wake up, no quiet time, nothing. They are gone. They are going to serve God. They are all looking at buildings. Wow. Uh, I'm into buildings. I like buildings. Yeah, if you're not going to take all your attention, you forget to love the brethren even. You forget that the church is not a building. The church is human beings. The church is people. You see. So... Always remember your first love and return to your first love. Loving the Lord. Because we love him because he first loved us. Yeah. His love for you is to be returned. You must return your, his love for him. And his love, your love for him is what will cause you to work for him properly. Because you can do so many things and you will tell your daddy that I know you not. Yes. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. You can see it there. Because these are people who did things without the Lord. They didn't have intimacy with the Lord. Can you imagine? Many will say unto me in that day, Matthew 27, Matthew 7, 22, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name made, done many wonderful works? And then, I'll, well, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. The word knew there is. Allah, I never allowed you. I never had intimacy with you. Do you know that the five foolish virgins who could not go in there, okay, were foolish because they don't have intimacy with the Lord? Yeah, they did not have intimacy with the Lord. They didn't have intimacy with the Lord. They were just working. So, brother, be wise. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Message of Matthew 7, 23. And do you, not, do you know what I am going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You are out of here. You use me to make yourself important. Hey! Wow. wow. So, that takes us into the next stage of the marriage. Okay? I think we've done stage four. Stage four is a rapture, right? Now, we are in stage five. It's the marriage of the lamb and the marriage supper of the lamb. So, stage five is the actual marriage. The actual marriage. Okay? So after the bride is raptured or stolen from her father's house, She's stolen to the groom's father's house. So this heaven is the groom's father's house, our groom's father's house. So we are taken to the throne. And we are we at the throne, we marry 
our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Paul talks about presenting one another. Okay, presenting people in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul said, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So on that day, we'll be presenting people. Paul talks about presenting the Corinthian church on that day to Jesus as a chaste virgin. Have you seen it? So you be, who are you going to present on that day? You must present somebody. There must be somebody you are raising after, after you in whatever it is that God has given you to do. You get it? Uh-huh. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I've managed to raise about a hundred people who are pastors like me. More than a hundred people who are, who are pastors like me. And I'm trying to help them become better pastors. And do more than I am doing. I'm trying. Maybe you are a musician. Like you are sitting here. You are a musician. Who are you raising to be a musician like you? You get it? Uh-huh. Raise somebody to be a musician like you and be more correct than you. Whom you present on that day. Maybe you are into cleaning the pastor's shoe. Raise somebody who clean the pastor's shoe as nicely as you do or even better than you do. Raise people after your order. Please, you understand? Bear fruit after your own kind. Yeah. If you are, if you are into real evangelism, you know, like we are all, we are all evangelizing to people, but you realize that you have a calling. Like, when you don't see a soul born again in a day, there's something wrong with you. Something happens to you. That is, that is where you are, you are heading. Do you know when we go to church, there are things that do not concern some people. Oh, yeah. Some people are not concerned one bit about the choir. They just want the word. They want to hear the word. Like when the word is coming, they are very serious. That's, that's what they are interested in. Most of them end up becoming preachers and, and teachers. Yeah. There are those who are also interested in the music. It's bad. They shouldn't, they shouldn't forget about the word. <laughs> you should be interested in the music and be interested in the word. Yeah. You know, it shows you where you are supposed to go. Yeah. And as you go on in life, God, your desire starts increasing. You see that you have concern for God's people. Yeah. One of the ways you get to know that you are becoming pastoral is when you start having concern for God's people. Like your concern for God's people is, is just increasing. You want to know how this person is faring. How this, what's happening with this person? Like, like it's written in uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5 as one. Look at first Peter chapter 5 as one. The elders which are among you as well, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And also a particle of the glory that should, shall be revealed. Then he says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Let's read the Amplified of verse 2. Feed the flock of God. Amplified. says, stand, nature, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility. So all of a sudden, you just feel a responsibility to feed to guard, to guide, to fold, to help people in the house of God. You want to try and help them. You want to share the word of God with them. You see that it's important for them to hear the word and to grow in the Lord. You want them to grow in the Lord. It shows you that you are becoming more pastoral. Do you get it? Uh-huh. So, wherever your heart is going, wherever God is leading you, just follow it. And you end up becoming what God wants you to become. Yeah. As time goes on, you see that you become more concerned about the body of Christ generally. You are not just thinking about your church. Now, as time goes, you realize that, hey, it's like you're thinking about, all of a sudden, you think about people in other places. You think about bringing the gospel that you know to other people from outside of your fold. It shows you that you're becoming more apostolic. You're being called to serve the body of Christ, not to serve your congregation. You see? 
Uh-huh. There are pastors who are not concerned one bit about evangelism. Mm-hmm. They are just concerned about taking care of God's children. They are not interested in bringing more in. They are interested in taking care of God's children. It shows that they are not evangelistically inclined. So Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Like be intent on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is just by the side. So, on that day, after we are raptured, we are taken to the throne of God. He says, we'll meet him in the air, and then he takes us to his father's throne. Then, we marry the lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, you see it there. Revelation 19, 7. He says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Okay, so the, after the marriage, all of us marry the Lord. Not some of us. Even the marriage has to do with all the Old Testament saints. It's not just, we are not the only bride of Christ. They are, remember, Paul said in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 14. Look at Ephesians 3, um, 15. Ephesians 3, 15. Go up to 14, so I can read into 15. This is what I want you to see. But it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. So there's not just a family on earth. There's a family also in heaven. Do you see? Uh-huh. He's the father of all. He's the Lord of all. And you'll be married. The bride, the lamb's wife, is a compendium of all the saints in every dispensation. Not just this dispensation. Not just the, this church. Please you get it? Uh-huh. So all of us, Revelation chapter 12 mentions it a little bit for us to see. The man-child, if, if you've ever heard of the man-child. Okay, so, um, we are all made to marry. So go back to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Verse 8, then it says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine lining, clean and white. For the fine lining is a righteous works of the saints. You know that, right? Yeah. So we'll all be there with our wedding gowns. Whatever you have sold, whatever you have. We are all in the wedding. All of us. Everybody will be, will be in there. And there's a special feast. So the next verse, that's verse 9, says, And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. This marriage of the Lamb is different from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh-huh. It's different. They are two different things altogether. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. If you notice in verse 9, he says, Go to, go to verse 9, please. And he said unto him, unto me, right, blessed that day which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. He makes it look as though it's a special, it, ha- it comes with a special uh, uh, attachment to it, isn't it? It's like you must be called to enjoy that particular marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, there are many aspects of the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you look into the, the, the Galilean wedding or the Jewish wedding, you will see that they have various, actually the, the, the supper, the feast, the wedding reception is for seven days old. Wow. So it takes a lot. The, the groom has to prepare seriously, I tell you. Actually, they enter, they enter the reception area and the door is locked. For seven, and they are in there for seven days. Wow. And join from morning to evening, morning to evening, morning to evening, morning to evening. You don't have to even come with a toothbrush. Just come. Just come. Your toothbrush is there. You, you just, I tell you, party after party, you just be. Just be enjoying and enjoying and enjoying and enjoying. So there are aspects of the marriage supper that is general. It's for everybody, every child of God. But there are aspects that are not general. There are aspects where some, a select few are told to enjoy. So in Matthew chapter 22, go to Matthew chapter 22. So we all enjoy. 
but there's there's deeper enjoyment. I tell you, VIP, VVIP. <clears throat> it seems there are aspects because of the things that are mentioned in the scriptures. Okay. From verse 1, he says, The kingdom of heaven is as what? It's like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So this is the marriage. Always remember to differentiate the marriage from the marriage supper. He made a marriage for his son. Verse 3. And sent forth the servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. Who are these people? These are the Jews. Okay. John chapter 1 verse 11. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, gave the power to become sons of God. So they would not come. Next verse, verse 4. Christ is actually rejected by the Jews at his first advent. They don't, they don't believe in him. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. And were, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. They didn't care. And the remnant took his servants and entreated, entreated them spitefully and slew them. They killed them. All the prophets that were sent to Israel were killed. Jesus spoke about it. All those who were sent to come and declare that something is coming that they should be part of, they killed all of them. Even John the Baptist was, was beheaded. Next verse. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. This happened in AD 70. With to the Jews. You know that, right? Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they, they which were bidding were not worthy. They didn't come. Go ye therefore into the highways. We are the highways, Gentiles. And as many as he shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. So as for the invitation to the marriage, it's general. Both bad and good. We are all inside. We are all inside. We are all guests for the wedding. Verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. So this is where the problem is. And what is the wedding garment? The works. The righteous works of the saints. Next verse. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in here that not having a wedding garment? So there are people who show up on that day without their wedding garments. Christians. Yeah, because they didn't have a clue of the things we are talking about. They live their lives normally, naturally. They're just flowing. They never did anything for the Lord. They, they, were, just, they were just born again. And he was speechless. On that day, you can't talk. There's not much you can say. Verse 13. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, it's like it's not even fair to the person, isn't it? He was sitting somewhere. I'm not trying to come for a wedding. You say I should come for a wedding. I've come and now you're asking me for a wedding garment. So God gives an open invitation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But after you are saved, he's now your Lord. And because he's now your Lord, you do what he tells you to do. Do you see? Yeah? So don't be a Christian who lives for himself. You are your own. The Bible says you are not of your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. You see, so there are aspects of the wedding, the wedding enjoyment that some people are taking out of. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of it. I really want to be part of it. Go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. 
Revelation 2, 17 says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I get to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. You know, the white stone was a stone that was given to athletes. You know, the Bema seat is, uh, is what athletes stand on to be given their awards. Yeah. You know, after the, the race, you stand. You have position number one, number two, number three. And everybody has his own spot. You can't say that oh, I'm number two, so I'm standing by number one. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. So number one, number two, and number three. And then they are giving their awards, isn't it? So that's what the Bema is. It was a seat that the judges would sit on during the Olympic days. They would sit on and then give the reward to whoever it was that won or did whatever. Uh-huh. So after they give you the reward, they give you a white stone. It was literal. It was given like that. They give you a white stone for a certain feasting that will happen in the night. Special feast. It was a special invitation with your name written on it. With your specific name and your number written on it. Strictly by invitation. It wasn't everybody who could enter that particular feast. And that's what he's speaking up about here. So there's an aspect of it. Even though we all enjoy it, there's an, there are aspects of it that it's not everybody who will be allowed to enjoy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. So whilst we are feasting in heaven and we are enjoying for seven years, actually the seven days become seven years in heaven. The normal Jewish um, wedding is for seven days. If you go to India, they actually feast for is it a month or so. Check, check Indian weddings. They feast for a long time. So if you don't have money, don't try. If you are married, you should have. And of course, they have different castes. So depending on the caste you are in, you have all kinds of things happening. You know. So whilst we are enjoying in heaven, having a nice time on earth, the Antichrist is manifested because after our departure, the Antichrist shows up. Second Thessalonians chapter two from verse one. Let's show, let's read it once again. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. That you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as, for, as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand, or has already happened. Then it says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And I showed it to you the last time. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. Next verse. Who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God seated in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Next verse. Then he says, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholded that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The mystery of iniquity is already working. Of course, there's iniquity in the world, there's sin in the world. It's working already. It's a mystery. We don't understand where sin comes from. We do, you were not there when it came. But you know that it is working. Yeah. You know that it's in the atmosphere. Do you see? It says, we know that the mission of iniquity is already working. Only he who now let it will let until be taken out of the way. Verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. That's at the second coming. With the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy the, with the brightness of his coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then his review. When we are taken, when we are taken, he that let it to let, that's us and the Holy Spirit. When we are taken, then the Antichrist is revealed. And when the Antichrist is revealed, he will start persecuting the professing Christians. You know, all professing Christians would know because they were, they were hanging around church. So they've heard some of these things. So, hey, it has happened. What are we going to do with ourselves? 
First of all, it will stir them up to stand for the Lord. Because they know what the mark of the beast is. They know all those things. Do you see? So they change all of a sudden. Our departure makes them change. Yeah. And they are persecuted. So the Antichrist will start persecuting them with commerce and all of that. So there are some that are written. So many. Let's see. Let me see how I can put it together for you. Okay. So the Great Tribulation on Earth is called, is also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Let's read Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 to 21. Let's take it one by one so we can understand it very well. Okay. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso will then let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop come down to come not down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Because if you are Jew, you can't move on the Sabbath day. Meanwhile, you are supposed to run away. For then shall be great tribulation, such as not, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. There will be serious tribulation on earth. Now, this is even to the Jews. So what happens is that, as long as you are taken away, the seven years we spend up there is the seven years that the Antichrist has his fullest of manifestations. And that's all kinds of things. So this is how it starts. He starts by persecuting the saints. Okay? He starts by persecuting the saints. And just when he persecutes, starts persecuting the saints, he will sign a contract, a deal, a peace deal with Israel. Let's read it in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. 70 weeks are determined. This is uh, Angel Gabriel telling Daniel about some things that he was praying about. Daniel was praying. Uh, Daniel and uh, Israel had been in captivity under Babylon, you know, and Babylon had changed to uh, all kinds of empires uh, and all of that. But still, there was no decree concerning their release, even though Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied that after 70 years, they'll just be in captivity for 70 years. After 70 years, they'll come back to Israel. Israel will be rebuilt and all of that. But it was not happening. Many years had passed. I think about six years had passed. And there was not, it was not happening. So he started praying. So every from verse 4, he confessed. He started praying. He says, I that he understood by books. Uh, and all of that. Then he says, I started praying. He confessed the sins. Confessed the sins of Israel and all of that. Then as he was praying, Angel Michael came and tapped him. And gave him information concerning what will happen with Israel. So, go down to verse, uh, what we're reading, verse 24. These are interesting aspects of the Bible. Very nice aspects of the Bible. See, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Who are his people? Israel. Then it says, to finish the transgression. One, 70 weeks are, are, are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy, the holy city. To One, finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. Two, and to make reconciliation for iniquity. Three, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Four, and to seal up the vision and prophecy. Five, and to anoint the most holy six. So six things. Look at verse 25. Then it says, Now therefore understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince. It says, for, from the going forth of the commandment. That was the commandment that was given by Cyrus concerning the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem and all of that. So you can find some in Nehemiah chapter 2. Different kings said different things about the rebuilding of, of the temple. Okay? So he says, now therefore understand 
that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem and to the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Three score means 60. Okay? So 60 plus two plus seven. How, many, how much is that? 69 weeks. Isn't it? But he said 70 weeks are determined. Now, every week, every week, this particular prophecy, every week is actually uh, seven years. Do you understand? So the easy English will tell you. It will give you the actual calculations. So as every week is actually seven years. It's not um, one week. He's not talking about one week because all the things that has happened did not happen in one week. According to the years, it fits perfectly. Let me try and see if I can show you something. <laughs> you love your you love the Bible. We love it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the day that they will decree to rebuild Jerusalem, that's Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 8. Go to Nehemiah 2 from verse 1 to 8. I don't think I should read everything. It says it came to pass in the month of Nisan, which is actually March, in the 20th year of Ataxesus, that is 444 BC, that Wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now, I had not been before time sad in his presence. You know this, these verses, right? Wherefore the king said unto him, Why is your countenance sad, seeing that I am not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of, the, of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. Nehemiah became afraid, you know, because the king was asking, Why are you sad? And he said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city that the place of my father's sepulchres lie waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto him, For what does thou make request? What do you want? So I prayed to God, to the God of heaven. And he said unto the king, and I said unto the king, If it be, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou would send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it, build it again. Okay. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him. For how long shall thy journey be? And when will thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come unto Judah. Verse 8. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me, according to the good hand of my God, upon me. You know, Daniel was alive during this time. He was very old, but he was alive. The man was younger. Okay, so this is when they gave the decree that Israel should rebuild, the walls of Israel should be rebuilt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So from that time, so go back to Daniel's prophecy, Daniel chapter 9. I just want to show you something small there. I'll talk about the types of the Gentiles, proper, proper, so that you can see Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 2, and Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 7 properly. Okay? It is no therefore understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore, blah, blah, blah. To restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. That is 69 weeks, isn't it? Then it says, and the street shall be built again and the wall even in trouble, troublous times. So Israel, Israel was rebuilt from 444 BC. Okay? Unto 33 AD when Christ was rejected. So it says, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Eh? After three score and two weeks. Three score is what? Sixty and two weeks. After, after sixty-two weeks, shall Messiah be what? Be cut off. It takes seven, it took seven weeks. That's forty-nine years. The temple was in building for forty-nine years. You know that? 
So after the 49 years, the next years, okay, was 400 and something years. 434 years. It took 434 years. Up until Jesus was rejected. The day Jesus was entering Jerusalem when they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna was the 430 whatever year. Exact time. When he entered into the temple and he was rejected. And they killed him. And he ascended. And the church came. So the church is, ne- is not mentioned here. There's no mention of the church here. So from that time up until when Christ ascended, when Christ was rejected, died and ascended. Uh, died, rose again and ascended. Okay? It's 69 weeks or 490 years. Exactly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. Not 490, 483 years. 483 years. That's 69 weeks. Okay? Now, after those, after that, that's what, that's what Daniel saw. And after three score and two weeks, shall Mezah be cut off. But not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come. So, but not, but Mezah shall be cut off, but not for himself. That is one aspect. When Mezah was cut off, it's not for himself. It was for others. It was for you and I. It was cut off for you and I, isn't it? So, from that time, they call it the church age, the great parenthesis. There's no, there's nothing there. The great gap. They don't know from that time when Israel rejected Christ. All the way till the time he will come again. The second time. There is no record. Daniel did not see it. It was a secret that was hidden. That's why I've been telling that the church was hidden from them. All those, They didn't know. So in Israel's history, there's left with only seven years. Okay? It's 70 weeks. It says 70 weeks, right? 69 have passed. So it's left with just one week, which is actually seven years. And that seven years is a great tribulation. That is when God will recognize them again. So from that time till now, it's called the mystery of Israel, Israel's blindness. Israel is partly blinded. Israel is partly rejected of God. So that the Gentiles might be grafted into the olive. The wild olive will be grafted into the correct olive. Please, you get it? Hmm. So there is no record of, of us at all. <laughs> So there's no record of the rapture, there's no record of the church age, there's no record of all of those things. Okay? So it says, let's go on. It says, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Which, which people is talking? He's talking about Rome. When Rome came to come and destroy Israel in AD 30. In AD 70, rather. Remember? And General Titus came and came to come and destroy. I told you that, about that last, the last time. Uh-huh. It says, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Then it says, and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And unto the end of the world, desolations are determined. Next verse. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. He calls him the, 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 the prince. Go back to verse 26. These prophecies are very interesting. He says, and the people of the prince. Who are the people of the prince? It's the Roman Empire, right? But in Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel saw a vision of, uh, of it wasn't Daniel who saw it, it was Nebuchadnezzar who saw it, and Daniel interpreted it, isn't it? He saw a statue that had a head of gold, a bre- the breast was silver, then the thighs were made of what? Of bronze, then the legs were made of iron. The feet were, were made of iron and clay. We know that the image, the first part is Babylon, from Egypt to Babylon. That's, it's called the times of the Gentiles. Okay, uh, the rule of the Gentiles. So the first side is 
Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel even told him that the, the first part, the, the head, which is the gold, is actually your kingdom. But your kingdom will keep deteriorating over the years. The middle part was the Middle Persian Empire. Because after the Babylonian Empire, the next empire that came was the Middle Persian Empire. Then after them, that is the silver, that was the silver. And it has two parts. Middle, Middies and Persia, it was two sides of a ruling. Okay? So one hand, one hand. Do you get it? Yeah. Then when you go down, the Thai area was, uh, was bronze, which was Alexander the Greek's, uh, empire, the Grecian empire, which also had two parts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then as you go down, it becomes the, the Roman empire. That's the iron. Do you get it? Which also had two parts, east and west. Hallelujah. Then as you go down, so he says when you, after the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire, okay, is what becomes the foot. But now it is mixed with clay. It is partly iron and partly clay. So the people of the prince is the Roman Empire and the reviewed Roman Empire. <laughs> the reviewed or the revised Roman Empire. Right now, is there any Roman Empire? There's no Roman Empire, is, it? is there? Uh-huh. But the Roman Empire is still existing. Almost everything we do is from Rome. Yeah. Almost everything, I do, our academics, everything, education, everything is from the Roman Empire. It's, it's not falling apart like that. Even though it's, it is not, physically speaking, it's not there. Okay? But it is there. And it will be reviewed. It will be, it will be, brought, it will be revised. It will be brought back as time goes on. The foot is made of ten toes, isn't it? So ten kings. Some people think, think that it's, uh, it's Europe. That the European Union, some nations will collapse and they'll become actually, they will just become 10 nations. And out of them will the, the Antichrist come. So the Antichrist will come from the Roman Empire, but reviewed. So the way he's going to, where he's going to come from is not known. I don't know if you get it. Uh So uh, that's what is written in all these places. You can, you can read them for yourself in Daniel chapter two. I'll, I'll try and go through them properly with you. Go back to Daniel chapter nine. So he says, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. I'm trying to let you know that that was AD 70. But the same people of the prince is, is this, and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of the world, desolations and de- are determined. That is the great, great tribulation. Okay? So, even though we don't see the Roman Empire, it will be revived and the Antichrist will come out of it. Which, who is actually part of the people of the prince? He is actually the prince. Please you get it. Go to the next verse, verse 27. Then it says, And he, who is he? And he's talking about Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's the last one week of Israel. That's the last seven years. And in the midst, in the middle of the one week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So it is said that Israel, that Israel, right now there's no um, temple in Israel. Solomon's temple is gone. The temple they rebuilt is gone. It's now a mosque. But it will become a temple again in that spot. And that temple, they will be sacrificing like, like they were doing in the Old Testament. They will be sacrificing blood and all of that. But when the Antichrist comes, he will sign a peace treaty with them. So he says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst, in the middle of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice the oblation to cease. And for the, sacri- for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's what Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 24 when he said that the abominations of desolation. Then he says, Whosoever readers should understand. So that's what I'm trying to explain to you. Do you get it? Uh huh. So go back to Matthew chapter 20, 24. Hey. 
There are things in the Bible I tell you. Go to verse 20. Go to the place where it talks about the, the abomination of desolations, please. 15. Okay, let's read from there. He says, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, that's what we just spoke about. Stand in the holy place, whose story they let him understand. And that the abomination of desolation is sacrificing of a pig in the temple of God. Pigs are not allowed in Israel. That is why when Jesus saw the, the pigs over there, that he allowed the devils to go in there, go into the pigs, because that guy was doing bad business in Israel. You are not supposed to do wear pigs in Israel. It was illegal, so he had every right to do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. So the Antichrist in the three and a half years, the first so the first three and a half years, he doesn't touch Israel. He's at peace with them. Mm-hmm. And he's persecuting, he persecutes the professing Christians. Seriously, big time. Not it's not a small thing. He persecutes them, kills many of them, beheads many, because they will not take the mark of the beast. You can read Revelation chapter 13. To see. Okay, let's read it. Let's read Revelation 13. I think. It would be good if we just read it from verse 1. Revelation 13 from verse 1. Revelation 13 shows you the power, the power, power place with the devil. Okay? So it starts with the dragon, then it goes to the beast, the first beast, and the second beast. And all. It says, And I stood upon the sun of the sea, and saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his Horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now, what is this? Who are these people? This is actually the revised Roman Empire that I was talking about. Some few. This is the ten tools. The ten. So, having seven heads and ten horns. So, um, in Revelation seventeen, verse twelve. Look at Revelation seventeen twelve. It says, "And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, have isn't it? Yes. Which have received no kingdoms as yet." But receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Next verse. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Who is the beast? The beast, that beast is the Antichrist. So it's mentioned. Go back to. Okay. It's okay. Let's continue. Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them for his Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And they that are with him are called chosen, are called and chosen and faithful. That's so this is fulfilled in Revelation chapter 19. Verse 11 down, when we come with him on that day. Okay? So go back to chapter 13. And I stood upon the sun of the sea, blah, blah, and saw, and uh, I saw a beast rising up of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. So these kings who rise are kings who start blaspheming God to start with. The same thing is written in, in Daniel chapter 7. You think John and Daniel went together when they, when they saw the vision. You think they were classmates, but this one is many years before this one. So Daniel also talks about it in Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. He says, And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the rest with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. Continue. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. The little horn is actually the Antichrist. Before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. That is when it comes, we replace three of them. So it becomes seven. Do you get it? 
And behold, in his horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and the mouth speaking great things. Verse 9. And I beheld that the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. Whose garment is the great white throne judgment. And whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Wow. Next wow. verse. If you go on, you see, he talks about how that, that little horn speaks great swelling words. Okay. Last verse 11. And I beheld then because the voice of the great words which the horn speak, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's the lake of fire. So go back to Daniel, Revelation chapter 13. I'm trying to do Bible school with you small. So that you see some of these things. That God, all these things, are, we, are not, we are not there. We are actually gone. Uh-huh. But God writes it down for us to see what will happen to the earth. So that we'll be inspired enough to win souls. Would you want your great grandchildren to go through this? I don't think you should, you should, you should allow, even your friends, your friends should not go through, your enemy should not go through this. People should give their lives to Christ. So he rises things for us so that we'll know what will happen. And then read it and know that, hey, people will be suffering on earth. You see, apart from the, the Antichrist persecuting uh, the saints, the, the professed Christians who will become saints, okay, and Israel, God will also be doing his own things. The sun will turn to blood. The moon will do, God will do all kinds of things before Jesus comes. Yeah. The wrath of God will be poured at the ending of the tribulation. It will not be easy. Hmm. Men will try to die, but they can't, they can't die. Okay. So, we know this now, right? We know who this is. Go to verse 2. So, these are the ten kings, right? And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him, who is the dragon? That old serpent. Uh, if we read chapter 12, you see it. He's talking about the devil. And the dragon gave his, him his power and his seat and great authority. Okay? Mm. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped, that's the Antichrist, the cunning of, of the Antichrist. Okay? And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? And who is able to make war with him? The beast are the ten kings, oh, remember. And there, were, there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And great power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Which saints are those? The professing Christians who are left and now believe. Okay? So it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So he will behead many. He will kill many. They will kill many. It will not be an easy thing. Be an easy thing. And power was given, given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Continue. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Next verse. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spake as a dragon. <laughs> he's like a lamb. Who is a lamb? Who is the actual lamb? Jesus. So he is, he is the anti-Jesus, anti-Christ. You get it? Next verse. And he exercised set all the power of the first beast before him. So all the ten kings give him their power. And caused the earth and them which dwelt therein to worship the first beast. Whose deadly wounds was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. 
It's not a small thing. And deceived them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, say he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and 6, which is 666. Hallelujah. Now, we don't know what John saw, whether this is going to be a literal thing. You see beasts, because actually, let's you know that the beasts were actually tankings. So when you're reading this, don't think that some beast will come in the earth and you have horns and all. It's not a horror movie. He explains some in chapter 17 to let you start thinking the right way that is actually going to come through human government. It's going to come through governments and authorities. That's why a lot of pastors were talking so much about what was happening. That something they are going to, it's not time, but they are trying to fast forward the thing. Hallelujah. It's not going to come as beasts and all of that. It's, these are human beings who will be given power by the devil to do all kinds of things. Okay, so he will persecute. Remember, he says he, he gave him power against the saints, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Huh. To overcome them, so he will kill many, many. The number of saints that are killed. Remember, Revelation chapter six. I think I read it to you, right? Yeah. Revelation chapter six, verse nine. He calls them a great number, innumerable. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, how holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white rose were given unto them, unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed, as they were, should be fulfilled. So if you're a professing Christian, change. Become born again because your, your path is to go through the great tribulation. Yes. It will not be, it will not be a small thing at all. Yeah. So a lot of them will be killed. A lot of people, the Antichrist will kill a lot of people, will torture people, will do all kinds of things. For the first ten and a half years, that's what you do to those who are uh, outside of Israel, who don't want to follow his rules. Who know who he is and don't want to follow his rules. They get it. Then in the midst of the seven years, that's the three and a half years, he will do the sacrifice in the temple, the pig. And Israel's eyes will open. All of Israel's eyes will open like the shim at once. Hey, this guy is the Antichrist. Then he will start persecuting them. And then Israel will have to start fleeing. So that's when Israel, he says, one will be taken and one will be left. He says, if pray that your flight, that day does not happen in the winter. And pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Because if it's Sabbath day, you can't move. You're a Jew, you can't move. And he will capture everybody and kill everybody. That's Matthew chapter 24. Verse 20. I don't know if you get the chronology. It says, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Continue. For there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Like I was saying the last time, during the, the Second World War, one out of every three Jews was killed. But during the great tribulation, two out of every three Jews will be killed. Yeah. About five million Jews died. During the first world war. So some people tipped 
uh, Hitler to be the, the Antichrist, but he was not. In fact, someone has offered um, a pig in the temple before. It's called Antiochus Epiphany. During the time of the Maccabees. During the 480, 60 whatever years of silence. Yeah, someone did that. But even that one was not him. Yes. So things that people have tried, there has been mock exams, eh? <laughs> There's mock exams over the years. Yeah, so many. He will persecute. It will not be easy for Israel. He says, for there shall be great tribulation. Such as was not since the beginning of the world to, to this time. Nor ever shall be. Look at um, Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. So this is when Jacob's trouble starts. Uh, and at that time shall Michael stand up and the great prince which standeth for the children of, the, of thy people. And there shall, be, there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. Same thing is written there. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Do you know what Jacob's trouble is? Jacob, you haven't read Jacob's story in Genesis chapter 30, 31, 32. When Jacob got to Laban's house, he saw Rachel. The Bible says he loved Rachel at first sight. Love at first sight. His heart went out for her. He told Laban that he wants to marry her. Laban said, oh, work for me for seven years. And I'll give you uh, Rachel as wife. Jacob didn't think about it twice. He signed the deal quickly. And started working. All over the place. After seven years, he was given Leah instead of Rachel. He was deceived and disappointed. Even though he had signed the deal. That's exactly, that's Jacob's trouble. And that's exactly what will happen to Israel. Israel has signed a seven-year contract. But in the middle of it, they'll be deceived. So it's the same thing. They'll be deceived. And they'll not get what they bargained for. They'll be persecuted big time. Remember, they wanted peace. But the Antichrist will not give them peace. He'll give them war. They'll have to run away. Israel, with all of this technology, will not be able to stand what the Antichrist will do. And they'll flee. He says, Make sure, pray that your flee is not in the winter. Pray that. He says, the ones who have children, he weeps for them. It's not a small thing. Jesus sat down and worked for Israel. He said, oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem. How often I've wanted, God loves Israel. Though. Never be someone who hates Israel. Don't be, don't be like, if you're a Christian, never hate Israel. Pray for Israel. Say good, pray that many of them will be born again during your time. Yeah. Yeah, pray. Because they are, they are the sign of the, the coming of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus said that, Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, he says, when you see the, the olive tree shooting, then you know that the time is near. He's talking about the olive tree is Israel. Remember, it's, it's always Israel, isn't it? We are the wild olive, and Israel is the olive. He says that when you see it shooting, then you know that the time is coming. After AD 70, Israel ceased to be a nation after AD 70. The next time Israel became a nation was 1948, after the World War, Second World War. I don't know the cal- how you calculate, but so many years, almost 2,000 years, 19, AD 70, all the way to 1948. Huh. He says that when you see that happening, when you see Israel coming together as a nation again, then you should know that the time is near. And it is exactly 70 years, two years ago, since Israel became a nation once again. 
So, brothers and sisters, the time is actually very near. It's very, very near. It's very, so, stop fooling around. Come serious with God. So that when he raptures, the rapture is coming. When he raptures you, you will not be a, a, a saint who <laughs> a saint who, who is shocked at the kind of body you have. The kind of resurrected body you have. <laughs> You're like, hey, what, what is this? That is what you spent your time and your life doing. And even if Jesus does not rapture you, death is around the corner. You are not certain as to whether you marry. You are not certain as to whether all these things will be doing by faith. You are not certain whether you, be, you marry, whether you have a child when you marry, whether your children will not die before you. I mean, oh, you don't, we don't know. We put our faith to work by the power of the Holy Spirit to have all these things happening in our lives. But there's something that is certain in your life. It's called death. Whether you like it or not. It's either you are raptured. Remember, I'm not saying death is like, that's it. No. It's either you are raptured. If Jesus comes, we'll be raptured. But if he doesn't come and you die, he has come for you. His second coming privately for you has happened. He has organized a private coming for you. And you'll be taken to him on that day. So, start living for him. Don't just exist. Live for the Lord. Do something for the Lord. Live your life for him. Love him with all of your heart. And watch your life go as far as it can go here on earth. And watch yourself weave a proper body for yourself on that day. I love you very much. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's share a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all that you have shared with us. We are grateful and we are thankful. Thank you for your blessings that are working in our lives. We are grateful, Lord. Thank you for, for all the things that you have brought to our minds and to our hearts. We will love you forever with our hearts and we will serve you forever with our lives. We will walk with you. You said to that servant, bound him hand and foot. We know that our hands represent what we do for you and our legs represent our walk with you. We will walk well with you. And we will work well with you in the name of the Lord Jesus. On that day, we shall have glorious bodies. We shall shine as a firmament. We shall shine bright like stars. We shall shine like the sun, having its great intensity to your glory. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are sick in any part of your body, I want you to know that the healing power of God has been hitting you all as well. And healing is coming to you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Check your body. And anyone with any problem, hypertension, all blood, high blood pressures, and low blood pressures coming back to normal in the name of the Lord Jesus. You are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, even in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.